You're tuned in to the One Life Podcast. Where we provide you with the people and discussions that will enable you to develop the principles, virtues, and mindsets required to take full advantage of the one life you have to live and to live a life that will outlive you. Now, here's your host, Army officer, ultra marathon runner, professional coach, and speaker, Devin Rodriguez. Hey, everybody, welcome back to this episode. And today is a real treat, a unique guest compared to who we've had on in the past. And I say unique in a very, very, very good and quite frankly, awesome way. Today we have Dr. Antipas Harris, who is the president of Jake's Divinity School. When I say Jake's, I mean TD Jake's Divinity School. And not only that, he's been an educator for a couple of decades now, has worked in multiple university settings, is an author, and we're going to talk a little bit about his book because it intrigued me when I saw the title. And he also has extensive, extensive training in homiletics, so we're going to talk about that a little bit, and leadership in the church. So a person that when I listened to him on YouTube, I said, whoa, this guy got it together. He's talking about God and and how if the world went to God with our problems, we would be so much better off. I said, I got to get this guy on the show. So Dr. Antipas, thank you for being here today. It's truly an honor to be able to have this conversation with you. Well, I consider the honor mine. It's a delight to be on here. Thank you for thinking of me and including me. Um, I, I, it's unreal. Thank you for the opportunity. Of course, of course. And Dr. Antipas, I would love to start off by talking a little bit about your upbringing and what were the signature moments in your life or those moments that you categorize as being big moments that led to you being the person that you are today? Oh, great question. I grew up in a rural community in a small Pentecostal church in Georgia. Uh, We had a lot of ideas and even dreams, but not a lot of connections and not a lot of opportunity. Uh, but my dad very was very in he, he was very insistent upon us getting the best education that we could, even in that environment. And the challenge is that without a point of reference, it's hard to know the value of education. And uh, case in point, uh, I didn't like math and it was hard for me to learn math uh, until I was a teenager. And I my dad got allowed me to get a bank account. And it kept going into negative. And I thought, this is a reason why I need to know math. <laughs> you start to understand real quick. Well, it was the simple things <laughs> like that that add practicality to the reason for study. Um, and so for me, everything I did from then until now in terms of education has both uh, intellectual reflection on critical, uh, uh, intellectual reflection, critical reflection on everyday practice. So that's one example. Uh, from a mathematics perspective, but it, it goes into my faith. Uh, why do I study theology? Uh, why do I study philosophy? Uh, those things that are very heavy, seem to be very heady, are very much rooted in my everyday life experience. So um, as a little boy uh, growing up in a Pentecostal church, uh, we had enough, my brothers and I were musicians and we had an opportunity to sing for the Bobby Jones gospel show. In those days on BET, uh, that was a big deal. So when Bobby Jones saw our little uh, VHS and called and invited us to his show, we thought this was our gateway to the world. 
And uh, so from a small town, you can imagine from small town being on BET in any fashion uh, was like we have arrived in a big way. And so but that was a big opportunity for us to see that there was a world outside of our little small community. And um, so I'd say it went up from there, uh, studying music, open doors, studying theology, open doors. Uh, and and not only did it open doors, but it allowed for me to live into the call of God for my life. I think you just took the words out of my mouth. You stole my next question, Dr. Antipas, which is, at what point in your life did you begin to notice the calling or the assignment that was on your life? That's a great question. God? I started noticing the call in my life when I was a, a very little boy. I mean, what uh, third grade, fourth grade, uh, even before then, kindergarten. When I first started learning to read, I had a little Bible with a brown um, case, Bible case. I took my little Bible to school and uh, I could barely read, but I, I had the Bible. It was just so important to me uh, when I was in the public schools. And then my dad started a Christian school because uh, I couldn't read that well, even by the third grade. So he started a Christian school and then uh, we, we were asked learning to read meant we had to read the Bible, learn memory verses, but we also read about uh, missionaries. And so I learned to read, reading about Rochaga Pudaite and Hudson Taylor, uh, Jonathan Edward, David Brainerd, folks like that, um, that in their stories as missionaries, starting schools, um, you know, doing great work, Hudson Taylor in China, um, Jim Elliott in Ecuador, with Ecuador, um, Ecuador in Ecuador, uh, with the Indians of Ecuador. Um, and, and those, those, those stories about the work that they did, both humanitarian work and education work, really had an indelible impression on me. And from that point on, I knew that I was called to be like them. That was the best way I could think of it when as a little boy, I'm called to be like them, you know, move beyond the walls of the church and do great work in the world. And a lot of the things that I've done until this day, um, starting a school, was that piece of it that I had never done mm -hmm. before. Um, but I also am the founding president of the Urban Renewal Center in Norfolk, Virginia, that does a lot of humanitarian work. It's a center for moral thought and action. We get involved with um, housing issues. We get involved with policing issues, um, urban youth issues, uh, and the list homelessness. We got a big homeless project going on now. So me at Jake's Divinity School is is the other part of that little boy's vision to be like them. Be like yeah yeah. And I I love that you said that because I've had a few guests on the show who have have experienced the same thing as you have how they they're living out their childhood dream in a sense where what they enjoyed to do as a child or that they saw themselves doing as a child they're now growing up and doing as adults. Yep. But my question for you is, mm -hmm. in, in terms of a biblical perspective, mm -hmm. what forces, I'm not going to, that's a poor choice of words, but why does a person stray away from God's calling instead of 
running face first into his calling because you and I know it both Dr. and Tipos. We live in a world where unfortunately a lot of people get caught up in the rat race of life. Dr. Miles Monroe said it best. If, if you're in a rat race of life and you're winning, that just means that you're the biggest rat of them all. So I, I thought that was hysterical when he said that, but how, in your opinion, why do people stray away from that plan instead of staying true to it? I think part of it has to do with, uh, we can talk spiritual. Whenever God has a God's hand on somebody's life, the enemy is jealous and want to steal them away from the call of God for their life. That's a spiritual way of looking at it, and it is real. Um, another way of looking at it, which is very similar, is whenever anybody um, has a call on their life, opposition is going to always come and and you have to run away from your fears uh or run into your fears whichever one you want to run into your fears is what i really want to say if you fear something sometimes that's what you're supposed to be doing you have to run into it um so many look at think about moses moses god called moses he said but i can't talk well, God called him to talk when he felt like he couldn't talk. So he needed to move in the direction of talking. <laughs> God doesn't, he said, I can't talk. So then I must not supposed to be a speaker. Oh, no, no. Sometimes God calls people who can't talk to actually talk. Um, that's my story. As a little boy, I had learning disabilities and I had um, speech impediment. And what do I do now? I had learning challenges. Now I'm a professor, I started a school. Right, I went in the direction of my challenge. Uh, I had a speech impediment, and what do I do now? I travel speaking and preaching. I teach, so I'm moving. Um, I had, I had, um, I couldn't read on par in the third grade. Now I've written nine books, so I couldn't read books, and now I've written nine books. So I'm going in the direction because the call of God was in the direction of my challenge. So many of us run from our challenges to find something else that we can do because we can't do that when sometimes God is really calling us in the direction of the challenge. Mm, so run face first into those fears. That is beautiful, Dr. Antipas. Thank you for sharing that. And I want to learn a little bit about how this school came to be. Okay. And, and how you found yourself working alongside probably the most popular, well-known preacher of certainly our generation, my generation, 21st century, T.D. Jakes. How did this relationship transpire and how did it lead to you founding a school, which is incredible? Yeah, thanks for the question. Um, in around 2012, Bishop Jakes was in um, Virginia promoting his book uh, uh, that was on offenses. I don't know if you remember the book he wrote. Um, it was a uh, I forget the name of the book, but it was about um, letting go um, of offenses and um, let it go. That was the title of the book, Let It Go. Yeah. So I made my way over to CBN and met him. And at the time, I was a professor at Regent University, which is on on CBN's campus, the share campus. Um, and so I met him and shared with him some things that I was working on at the university. And he wanted to remain in touch. And long story shorter, uh, the president and I ended up in Dallas talking to Bishop Jakes about a project that we were working on and started a relationship. And somewhere along the way, he invited me to come speak at one of his conferences and to speak at the church. And he lectured in my class um, on homiletics and he became a mentor for me. Uh, and 
uh, I was I went through some things in 2018. Uh, ended up out in Dallas talking to him at dinner, just he and I and one other person. And I was riding in the car with him and I just asked him, have you ever thought about starting a school? Anybody can start a school and needs a school is you. Because <laughs> everybody wants to know what is the Bishop T.D. Jake's secret sauce to ministry. Uh, and uh, and I consider him one of the most outstanding um thinkers speakers for sure but thinkers as well uh of our time in every 100 or so years you get somebody come along who who just deserves deeper study and if we're going to take ministry seriously for the 22nd century we have to take a look at what god is doing in the lives of ministers in the 21st century and just like i was reading people like rochanga budaite from 20th century Hudson Taylor and all those folks and learning and being inspired by their ministry theory. A person like Bishop Jakes is worthy of academic study um, and ministry preparation. And that was my sort of intellectual mind rolling and, and seeing great possibilities there for the next generation. And he agreed, well, he actually never sees himself the way that others see him in that regard. Um, so he said something like, you think so? <laughs> and I said, sure. Anyway, so he ultimately decided to start the school and asked me to come lead the school. Now, I was not jockeying for a position. I was, I was doing what I was doing, uh, but I just really seriously believed then and believe now um, that a school in his name to carry his legacy is so appropriate for such a time as this. So inviting me to come was a match of my passion. Um, and it was an opportunity for me to really, um, I, I'm honored because a minister of his statue, uh, I'm from a Pentecostal tradition. He's, you know, we don't have many African-American Pentecostal uh, colleges and university in this country period. So I'm honored to be um, a founding president of one in the life and legacy of a person like a Bishop Jakes. So it's just check, check, check across the board there. God works in funny ways, huh? I oh, always say people, uh, people, people say that you gotta be at the right place at the right time, but I also believe that you gotta be at the right place at the right time and you also gotta be the right person. And I believe that what you just shared proves that you were the right person in that situation because if you weren't, Bishop Jakes wouldn't have picked you to lead that that school, which is incredible. What an opportunity for you and your growth, but also to serve the greater kingdom that there is. So thank you. Amen. Yeah, amen. It's just, it's, it's a blessing. It really is. And I want to know, because you'd mentioned homiletics and speaking and so forth. I'm curious, number one, this is a question that I've been wanting to ask somebody of, of your knowledge. What, what do you see the difference besides biblical text between like a motivational speaker and someone like a Bishop Jakes, who, who is more so preaching the word of God, but yet is still like extremely motivational. What, what is the difference there? Jesus makes a difference. I think many times motivational speakers speak about principles that inspire people's lives. Um, but preaching um, is not just motivational. Sometimes it's corrective. Uh, but it can be inspirational because it's Christ-centered and it's spirit-filled. We have to, Paul says, 
we preach Jesus. If we don't preach Jesus, it's just a motivational speech. Uh, one of the things that I admire and appreciate about Bishop Jakes is that he really does believe in Jesus Christ. And no matter how, how, how high he goes and how many opportunities he has to speak or preach in particular. Now, speaking in a corporate context is different, but I mean like preaching, he centers his sermons around Jesus and the life of Jesus Christ. And he does not um, shy away from the Holy Ghost. Um, we can't be so polished that we dismiss the Holy Spirit. And we can't be so articulate that we and motivational that we dismiss the centrality of Jesus Christ in our preaching. So that is crucial. And today, there are a lot of sermons that pull principles from the scriptures, but don't center around the life of Christ or any emphasis on God, the power of, of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You mentioned the Holy Ghost, and I believe that when I watch Bishop Jake's preach, it is evident that the Holy Ghost is working in that man. Because one of the things he talks about in his book, which is, is so eloquent, he says that you're body language has to match the words that are coming out of your mouth. So as you study homiletics and you look at preachers and what makes the best preachers, what, who and what they are, what is the importance of body language in the message that one is speaking? Yeah, it's so important. Um, uh, Logosomata is the language that um, Tom Trojo uses, Logosomata. Um, logos word, samadha, body. So the body bearing full weight of the word is what he's saying. And so when you, you when you're preaching uh, up in front of people, you're you're bearing. That's Paul said. I came to you with demonstrations, right? Um, not eloquence, but demonstrations of the spirit. Uh, throughout the Old Testament, you, he the Hebrew prophets um, bore the full weight of what God had spoken to them. He told people like Isaiah. Um, uh, Ezekiel to do things like Isaiah lay on your side for three years or or you know it, Ezekiel went down to the valley of Chabar and he stayed for seven days and stared at where the people were it was this sense of being present with the body and Paul talks about how uh, we're earthen vessels but we have heavenly treasures so this idea of being in of, of God's treasures being embodied is so important so when we preach um, if we're preaching about the gospel, there needs to be some some bodily expressions. You know, um, we speak with our bodies as well as with our mouths, uh, and so there has to be a consistency of, of logosomata and the word that is coming out of our mouth. Yeah, and it, it's it's incredible because I feel like it conveys so much more than just what he's saying. Such a big difference that I've noticed just studying and watching him. So thank you, Logo Samada. That's something that I'm going to have to go look up after this, man. Dropping them knowledge bombs up in here. <laughs> so my, my second to last question is, in your opinion, studying and, and working alongside one of the greatest preachers, but just looking at preaching in general and studying it in its field, what makes the greatest preachers so great do you see any common trends any common themes what do you see from the best preachers that you've come across yeah now let me say the the way i understand best preachers bishop is absolutely at the top of that list but there are some really really good preachers that people that a lot of people don't know um 
so there's an assumption sometimes that best preachers are national worldwide worldwide known but there are some people who are on the world stage who are not that great preachers in my opinion um but bishop is one of them who is but there are also those preachers that preach like say my dad um in a small church in the rural community that nobody would ever really know or hear him preach but his preaching had was transformative in the life of a lot of people in their rural communities whose lives have changed and future has been bright and they have gone very far. Well, the preaching, the, the power of strong preaching is transformation, um, but it's not by power nor by might, it's by the spirit. So for me, we can talk about, so the mechanics of preaching, oratory skills, uh, ability to articulate and to woo a crowd, all of that is, is good, but the, but, but the meat of the word is what's so important and you can whisper it, you can talk it slowly, you can scream it, you can yell it. It doesn't matter. The word does the work. And if you can really give a word from God, even if you're very educated or articulate or have a vocabulary that is that is huge, or if you say this and that and ain't, and you don't have a very large vocabulary, the question is how deep in love are you with Jesus? And that comes across. That's deep, man. That's yeah. deep. That is deep. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that because to be honest, wasn't the answer I was expecting, but now that you say that I see it because one of the things that that Bishop said in creating his book was that it was very hard for him to write it because of that deep and intimate relationship that he had with the Lord while building out his sermon. So don't drop the mic, as he says, was a difficult thing to do. And I, and, and it just, it's crazy to see what you're saying and then going and, and watching a sermon and seeing that play out. Cause it's so evident when it, when a, when a preacher has that. So absolutely. Absolutely. Dr. Antipas, last question for you. This the question I ask each and every guest that comes on the show. Very last question is that on, on one day, Dr. Antipas, we pray it's not for a long time, but one day you're no longer going to be here. But right. what is the world going to remember you for? What will your legacy be? You know, that's a good question. And I was talking to one of my friends. Um, there was a time in my life that I wanted to be uh, known around the world. And that that's wonderful. And that's something that if I can make a positive contribution, I hope that the world benefits. Uh, but I really, when I die, I want people to say about me that he was a good man. He was a good man. I've, I'm a scholar. I've walked, I've met a lot of great people, but so have, so are so many other people who are just not good people. I want to be considered a good man. Going back to the question you just asked me, and I talked about how deeply in love one is with Jesus, the word has to be formed in us. That's what I mean. The word formed in us. So when I get up and speak, whether it's lecturing or speaking or talking, whatever it is, I want people to know that the word was formed in me. And that means that he was not just a good speaker, a good preacher, a good lecturer, a good writer, but the word was formed in him and made him a good man. Mm. Amen. That is awesome, man. That is, that is amazing. Dr. Antipas, listen, 
that was that was mind blowing. That last little part, the <laughs> word being formed in you. Oh, I'm getting goosebumps over here. But I just want to say thank you for sharing yeah. these last few minutes with us today because I appreciate this, Devin. Well, of, of, of course. And you opened up a new world for a lot of people, including myself. So thank, thank you. you for sharing your wisdom and your love with us today, your love of Christ. And it's going to benefit so many people. So Dr. Antipas Harris, thank you and continue doing thank God's you. work, my friend. Have me come back, please. Thank oh, you. We'll definitely be doing a part two. <laughs> thank you for listening to the One Life Podcast, where we discuss how to live a life of impact, fulfillment, and contribution. If this added value to you, please be sure to subscribe to our show, leave us a review, and share our show with a friend. And that will enable us to touch even more lives. For more of us, follow us on Instagram and TikTok at One Life Podcast. As always, you only have one life to live. There's no time to wait. Act now. Now.